Community, lessons, creativity. What if a light bulb moment in the shower could completely change the trajectory of your life? Now, that sounds a little crazy, but that's exactly what happened to this week's guest, Joanna Waterfall, and she brought so much goodness to the Brave Files podcast. It's all about lessons in nurturing yourself while also nurturing a business and kids, and and I really love, love, love this message, not attaching your personal worth and value to your professional achievements. That's a difficult thing to do, folks, either good or bad. You're good and great if business is good and great and you're bad if it's not. And Joanna really shares her lesson towards moving away from that and separating her own personal worth and value from what works and doesn't work professionally. For Joanna, it's all about lessons in sustainability. I am so excited to share this beautiful conversation with you. But before we do that, Are you already registered for our Manifestation Power Hour? This is such a fun, unmissable, free event that I am hosting on the first Friday of every month, and it offers a transformative experience for you and anyone who's seeking to take control of your destiny and manifest your deepest desires. I lead it, and as a transformational success coach, I sort of guide you through it, but I also am in the trenches with you. I'm manifesting with you. It's free, and it's fun, and it's community. This monthly gathering really provides a unique opportunity to tap into the immense power of manifestation, and we're going to do that through grounding experiences, guided journaling, and supportive community. All of the attendees discover tools and techniques to unlock their true potential and create a life of abundance and fulfillment. There's connection and light bulb moments, and just it's such a beautiful space to be in. So whether you're seeking personal growth, inspiration, or just connecting with other like-minded individuals. The Manifestation Power Hour is a fantastic platform to ignite that fire within you and embark on a new phase of your self-discovery journal. I would love to have you with us. It's the first Friday of every month. The very next session is August 4th. We meet at 1.30 p.m. Central. It's totally free, but you do have to register to attend And you only have to register once. Once you get on the list, you get to stay on the list. Visit vickeryandco.com slash manifest together to let us know you want to join, receive the link, and get the calendar invite. If you enjoy any of the free content I'm bringing out to you, whether it's this podcast or my sister podcast, Was It Chance, or the Brave in Action weekly live show, which is every Thursday at 11 a.m. Central, I hope you come and hang out with us there. You can say thank you. Let me know that the content is resonating with you. It's inspiring you, making you laugh, whatever it is. You can send a little tip, essentially buy my coffee for the week. It means a lot. It lets me know that the effort and the time that I put into producing this content is hitting the mark and that you really enjoy it. So you can buy me a coffee by visiting vickeryandco.com slash say thanks. And if you thank me, I'm going to thank you because that's the way this rolls. So uh, anybody who buys me a coffee and gives me a little tip, I will say thank you in either the newsletter, the podcast, or the weekly live show. So make sure you're tuning into all of those places so you can hear me. Thank you for thanking me. All right, folks, let's meet Joanna Waterfall. You're listening to The Brave Files, where we share stories from people who've stepped out of fear and into bravery in every possible way. What we know for sure 
is that when we choose bravely on purpose, we choose bigger, we win bigger, and it's contagious. It's our hope that these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement that enriches both our lives and our communities. The Brave Files is brought to you by Vickery & Co., a success and leadership coaching firm dedicated to helping you build a life and a business that you are absolutely in love with. Vickery & Co. offers group programs, membership communities, one-on-one coaching, VIP days, corporate trainings, workshops, keynote speaking, and so much more. Visit vickeryandco.com to get all the details. Folks, there are some people in the world that have a magical ability to see a gap in the world and fill it with just the right thing. And that happens to be exactly what today's guest, Joanna Waterfall, did when she founded her company, Yellowco. Yellowco is an organization birthed from an idea that struck her one day while in the shower. I swear we all get such great inspiration in the shower for paying attention. And Joanna really believes that creativity, business, and community should partner with social impact. These things should go hand in hand. So she decided to create a platform and a community that brings these things together. And she's here to share her personal story of separating her worth and value as a human from her professional achievements. She learned this lesson the hard way. How many of us can resonate with that? I know that I can. Joanna and her work have been featured in publications such as Forbes, The Huffington Post, Darling Magazine, The Good Trade, LA Lady Magazine, Boss Lady Magazine, and so much more. She happens to also be a friend. She's a beautiful human being who is motivated by the belief that women can change the world through stepping out of fear and into bravery. Um, That's exactly what we do. That's the thing that we do here. So I'm really excited. Joanna, welcome to The Brave Thank you so much for having me. It definitely feels (laughs) weird to hear all of that said back, but I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I love it. It is always weird to hear someone read your bio. It's like, it's so right? weird. Yeah. I felt myself getting okay. hot and sweaty, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that <laughs> just makes me feel awkward. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to just step into that and and own it. I try to feel a little pride, like, but it is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can watch you. I was like, oh, she's squirming. On the other <laughs> I was definitely squirming. <laughs> well, we have been putting this off for way too long. Um, you have this gorgeous, infectious way about you. Um, You're one of those unique people to me who you have this sort of soft approach, but you are, you're not a soft, you're not a softball. Like you're a hard, you're a badass. You get shit done. You move mountains, you make things happen and you do it in this way that feels very unthreatening to others. I hope that came out right. Do you know that about yourself? I think I, I do. Yeah. I do know that about myself. And I think often we surprise ourselves. I'm constantly, you know, we we have who we truly are and then we have this personality that has kind of been created and I feel like I'm always on a journey of discovering and connecting more with who I am. And I honestly am surprised by myself sometimes of like that this motivation and desire and like passion that does exist within me, I think even I myself get a little tricked by my outward um, 
sometimes, yeah, to use your words, gentle uh, approach or appearance. And and I'm like, oh, whoa, what did I just do there? That that was that was wild. Okay, here we go. You know, Uh, so. Yeah, self-discovery is a journey. I feel like I'm just, we're just always going to be on and um but yes, I do I do know that about myself. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad cuz it's a it's a p- superpower, I think. Um for sure. And I love that you said self-discovery is a journey we're just always on because so many people think it's a destination. Mm-hmm. And it isn't just young folks. Young folks do think that it that for sure, I think many, I don't mean to generalize, but, and I'm young folks, you're much younger than me. I would, I would call you young folks. No, I'm kidding. Um, Not that much like younger y- than little you. kids. No, I think, I think there's a pretty solid age gap there, but that is not the point. Um, I'm thrilled to be the age I am. I wouldn't go back to any part of, of any of it. I meet adults all the time, grown ass women, mostly who are who own businesses and who are badasses and they still think that self-discovery is a destination mm-hmm. and that they just can't get there and i it's really when we decide it's just the process that we quote unquote get mm-hmm. there yeah so real i think for so long i thought that not even just on this journey of self-discovery, but even professionally kind of was always working towards and waiting for this arrival to come. Like, oh, once I get to mm. this point, then, you know, everything will be set and good and I'll feel good about myself and I'll have credibility and or whatever, these things. And throughout my journey of just of self-discovery and working and getting older, I've just realized more and more, oh, this is not, the arrival is not a thing. That is not even real. There's no arrival. We are constantly working to, uh, we're constantly shifting and moving and learning new things about ourselves and how we are expressing ourselves in the world through the work that we're doing. And I don't think that journey ever ends. I don't think I, I want it to end because we're always discovering new facets of ourselves and life brings us new opportunities to shift and change. And, um, you know, I have a friend mentor of mine who always says, we don't arrive until we breathe our last breath. And I feel like that is very wow. true in all, all aspects. Our arrival is when oh, we breathe our last that. breath. Oh, I love that. That gave me chills. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good reminder because I think cool. our, our culture is constantly telling us, follow these four steps and then you will have <laughs> fulfillment in whatever way, shape, or form that comes in, you know, monetarily, professionally, whatever, like follow these rules and you'll get to that place. And so I think even from a young age, we're told, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you kind of, I see it even in my kids and I'm trying to figure out how to deprogram this, but they're (laughs) always like, oh, once I'm big or when I'm a big kid, you know, and and I'm like, you're in a season of life that is great right now. How do we like embrace the season that you are in as a (laughs) four-year-old? No, it is really hard to not want to rush. It is. To get where we're Mm -hmm. going. Because I think most of us are in this in-between phase. And actually, uh, I'm curious to hear your perspective on that. Um, We're no longer who we used to be and we're not who we're going to be. So when you talk about, you know, we're always on this self-discovery journey, my work as a transformational success coach is helping people like in 
trust and love themselves in the in-between mm-hmm. space. And of course, the reality is we're always in the in-between because we never get there. So what has your life experience been like in that way? Um, how did Yellow Co. come to be besides your your shower moment? Um, yeah. Like, what what is this for you? Yeah. Well... As you mentioned, it was an idea that came to me in the shower. But as I look back on when I first really this idea came to me from the universe and I felt the desire to execute upon it, um, it was very much an in-between season for me. I was doing graphic design full-time, doing small business branding and marketing, um, and, and working for myself, I was working from home. This was before all the world was working from home. And I really was in a funk of just going from client to client, doing jobs that I didn't really feel um, were impacting the world in a great way often. And I, I had always wanted to work for myself and be a freelance graphic designer in college. That's what I wanted to do. I just couldn't wait to work for myself so I could have flexibility. In high school, I wanted to be a uh, like a wedding photographer, which is a little different. Tried to shoot a few weddings that did not work out very That's well. That's a hard job. I know a lot of wedding photographers and that is a hard job. I was job. like, this is not for me. Okay. <laughs> I did a few of them and it was not my skill set. You know, I'm not a, there, yeah, it, it wasn't my thing. But I still loved, you know, working with Adobe Creative Suite, Photoshop. And so I kind of pivoted into graphic design um, and worked for an agency for a few years out of school. And I, through getting this part-time job at a studio that then ended up dissolving and I, I was able to take on a bunch of clients that I was working with at this agency and through a series of events, I was able to go work for myself a lot faster than I anticipated it. So mm-hmm. here I was in a place where I was like, I just got all that I have wanted. And now what do I do? Do I like build an agency? I didn't really love working for clients in yeah. that capacity. It was not fun a lot of times. Graphic design is just a, it's, it's just a hard, it's a hard world to work with other creatives in, I found. So anyways, I didn't yeah. love it. So I was like, I don't think I want to like build this business. So I was very much in an in-between place. This idea came to me and I just, it was like before the new year came, I remember I was getting ready to go to an ugly Christmas sweater party. That's why I was in the shower. So it was right around Christmas time and I was just itching for something to pour myself into that I actually loved. I felt like there was a part of me that wasn't able to be expressed. And I was searching for a place to express this part of me that can could be creative and could work with other people, be in community and be entrepreneurial and also have an impact for good on the world that I could like tangibly see. Um, because everything we mm-hmm. do has an impact, but I was really searching for... Mm-hmm this real tangible way of, of making an impact. So when this idea came to me in the shower, it was really because I had met women specifically who were running these social enterprises and doing it with creativity and heart. And I was so inspired by them 
that I wanted to get women like that on a stage and just really sit in the audience and hear how they got to where they are and why they do what they do because I was in that in-between phase of searching for that next step for myself. So it really was because I wanted a space like this, like the Yellow Conference where people, entrepreneurial-minded, creative people who are making an impact for good were coming together. I wanted to be a part of a community like that. And... That's also why I felt really excited to do it. It was not, I remember designing that website and I had so much fun because I was like, there's no client telling me what to do here or saying the (laughs) colors you chose aren't good or, you know, I was like, I can just do whatever I want. And it was just a real creative outlet for me to just get people together who I wanted to hear from, who I really looked up to and to, you know, design a space that I really would enjoy myself and did enjoy myself. And, um, so yeah, it was really just birthed out of this real desire to express this part of me that wasn't, had no place to be expressed. And I was really feeling the weight of that in that season. So the first version of Yellow Co. was just, was it just yep. the conference? Mm-hmm. It started with the conference, yeah. yeah. And what was it like Create? I mean, this is, I love that. I love the freedom and the outlet and you could do what you wanted and you were seeking something for yourself and you're like, oh, I can't be the only one who wants this. Let's have this conversation out loud because that's just always true. But there's a big difference in graphic design and running a business like that. I mean, this is a hard fucking job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. You are right. (laughs) You probably did not realize how hard it was when you decided to start it. Um, I didn't. (laughs) Most people say that. Um, So what, what were those lessons like? And what um, we had mentioned in the intro that you really had to learn very early on to separate your self-worth from your professional achievements. Can you give us a little more of that story? Yeah. So yeah, you're right. I had no experience in planning events. And to this day, I don't really know how that first conference really happened. It kind of feels like a blur (laughs) and somehow it happened and it went actually really well that first year. I will say the second year was where these lessons really came up for me. So what happened was the first year, I don't know, somehow it went really well and I was really excited. Very, very excited. I was also, this was 2014. So this was a long time ago. I was a lot younger. I was in my 20s and just very, you know, (laughs) excited to stay up all night and work all the time. So I was like, how do I make this how, how do I really monetize this? How do I really make this into something that I could yeah. do so I can start letting go of some of my design clients and really start to do this? And I had this idea to make this like interactive website, magazine, e-course hub that I really had no idea what it was going to be like, but I kind of pitched this idea to this agency that I really loved their work. And they were like, yeah, this sounds awesome. It's going to be about $50,000 for you to create this. And I was like, great, we will just do a Kickstarter. It'll be no problem. We'll just raise the funds. 
50,000. Yeah. No big deal. So I was like, I yeah. should probably make a yeah. Kickstarter for like 65,000 because we're going to need some extra wiggle room. You never know. And <laughs> so this is right after, this is after the first conference. Again, I was like so excited. Okay. So launched this Kickstarter, like spent all this money doing a, a like video that was just very, it was a beautifully done video, but practically it didn't say at all what we were really going to do. It kind of created this vibe mm. and this mood, but it wasn't like, here's what this Kickstarter is going to make. Um, all these were, this is why lesson was in my story. And I know lessons, you know, is, is part of all of our stories. But when I just think back, I'm like, oh, that was such a lesson. Like even telling the story, yeah. so many lessons. Um, long story short, I poured everything into this Kickstarter, told my great aunt Marie, you know, to about it, to come back it. I was just <laughs> shouting it from the rooftops to every single person who I knew. Well, that's what you're yeah, supposed what you're to supposed do to with do. the Kickstarter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Long story short, we did not, the Kickstarter was not funded. We actually, we raised almost $20,000, which looking back, I'm like, that was actually pretty good. I, at the time I was like, this is awful. Nobody, this is just not a, you know, because with the way. But Kickstarter's all right, or nothing. The way Kickstarter works is if you don't raise all the funds, you yeah. get nothing. So it was nothing, even though it was 20,000 or whatever, it was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get any of it. Yeah, that's painful. That hurts I me. know it was. And yeah. truly, I don't think I'd ever experienced in my life before something that so publicly felt like this big failure because everyone who mm. I was shouting this off to the rooftops to, they also saw that it didn't happen. And they knew that if it didn't happen, I didn't get any of those funds. And so I just felt so embarrassed and I... I remember just sitting on my bed and truly not being able to stay awake. I just felt like I had to sleep. And I think it was just my body's reaction to not knowing how to cope with this. I just felt like I had to sleep. Mm. I had never, I had been someone who all through school into my career, I felt like I could do things and they usually worked out. Like things just kind of yeah. worked out. And so this was the first time that I was like, wow, this I worked so hard on this and it did not work out. So it was really this almost this identity thing of who am I? I'd always seen myself as someone who could make things happen and make things work. I didn't even think twice about, you know, making a Kickstarter to get that money. I was just like, well, just we'll get the money and we'll do a Kickstarter. And so it almost felt like this this shift of my worldview and how things work and who I am all kind of came from this uh, Kickstarter campaign not working and, and also feeling like everyone in the entire world was seeing it not working. Looking back, if everyone in the entire world was seeing it, it probably wouldn't have <laughs> failed. You know, you think like, right. oh, everyone <laughs> sees this, but you know, it's only my little tiny corner of the internet. Um, yeah. But that's how it felt. And that was hard. For sure. Like massive public failure yeah. is how I imagine that yeah. felt. Yeah. 
This is a very was it chance question, which is my sister podcast, but I have to ask it because it fe- it, I just have to. Um, what do you think happened that was great as a direct result of that Kickstarter not getting funded? Well, there was a few things that happened that were great. Um, I One of the first is that me in talking to my collaborators on this Kickstarter, we I remember I had a few of them over to my house and we kind of were just talking about, hey, this isn't going to work because it was a few days before and, you know, unless some miracle happened, we knew it wasn't going to work. And so we were like, what do we, how do we talk about this? What are we going to do? And we came up with this idea of having a fail party and just talking about how failure is a part of the process. And so we did that. We had a fail party. And I wrote this whole blog post about it, about how hard it was, but how I don't regret going after something that I was really excited about. And we did it and we failed. And let's celebrate that failure. And so we got a bunch of people together downtown LA and we had this little loft. I wore this big, huge, like tool skirt. And I was just like, I'm going to dress up. And we all in that space talked about our failures and celebrated them because when you're failing, it means that you actually had the guts and the bravery to go for something that you wanted. And that's something to celebrate. And so my hope is that, and I know it did, I know it inspired others to step out and do something because we don't hear our failures talked about a lot of times. They happen every day. Um, but I think we get intimidated of about failure because it doesn't feel like a normal thing because no one really talks about it. So to be able to open up that piece of conversation in a group and just talk about when we've failed and say, you're a badass, you're awesome because you did something risky and you failed but we're gonna we're celebrating that so that was really special and I will always look back on that space as just a really special space um, a special time and then it also started my journey because we're always on the journey of learning right but it I really feel like this was kind of the spark that began my journey of separating my worth from my successes or my failures, both of those things is really what I learned. Which is important. Yeah, it's so important. That's both. It's both because, you know, I had this conference that was a great success the first year. I was like, woo. And it's easy to get caught up in that and say, oh, well, I must be really great at this because this succeeded. But that then, a few months later, Everything that I did felt like, a, you know, this whole thing felt like a failure. I mean, I was having people in conversation because I was talking about failure so much. I remember I was at kind of this like uh, group of women. We were talking about goal setting and stuff. And someone was talking about failure. And she literally leaned over and like kind of pointed at me. She was like, yeah, and you know, we experienced failure. And she like pointed at me. I was like, okay, <laughs> yep, this is, I guess, Hi, what I'm getting known me. for here. <laughs> So, you know, it shifts and changes so fast. So if we are just grasping on to these external things, oh, I did this good. Okay, I must be good. Then, you know, it's going to shift. Oh, I did this bad. I must be bad. So our worth can't come from these external 
spaces. And I didn't really understand that, I think, before this Kickstarter. And so it was really the catalyst for me to kind of begin that journey of where mm. does my worth lie? How, who am I as a person if, if my worth is not in what I do? Yeah. I feel that way about parenthood. Mm. Who am I and where am I if I'm not good at that? Mm. Which is a very vulnerable thing to just share. And this show is all about Joanne today. But I think what it boils down to is we can't put any of our own personal self-worth and value in anyone or anything Mm -hmm. else. So it could be for business, for listeners. It could be for parenthood. It could be being a partner or a spouse or somebody's kid or the whatever, a board president, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? Like, it can't, we can't, we can't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. Yeah. We, and it's, it's such a tough lesson. Um, but like you said, there's, we're just always going to be navigating different seasons and things externally will always be shifting. And so to, to anchor ourselves in external things, it's just not going to be good for our, our, our self-worth, our, you know, our, our steadiness. I just think of when I can go in, inside and, you know, I know in meditation they often talk about your breath as an anchor. And I think about that as yeah. even just an internal anchor. Can our can we allow ourselves and just knowing that we are, uh, we are human and we are we are divinely created and inspired or however you see that we are worth something just because of our our humanity and we can anchor ourselves in that because the external is just constantly shifting and I think when we can do that for ourselves we can also ex- allow that for others we can we can allow for other people to be who they are, even if it's not like with our kids, what we imagined them to be or how we would like them to act. You know, I have two toddlers, so it's like, I find, you know, if my daughter throws a tantrum in a grocery store, I'm just like mortified of like, everyone thinks I'm this. And, um, yeah. Versus, you know, this is her experience right now. She's not, uh, she's not happy Mm. and I'm going to, you know, try to help and be there aside her. But these are her her feelings, and if I'm anchored and in a good centered place, I'm going to be a lot better at doing that than when I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that, and we're, and we're not always, but you're right. It does give us um, a lot of perspective to give other people grace, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, you know, we if we are doing that with ourselves, then we don't jump to assumptions or conclusions. <clears throat> About other mm-hmm. people. Because we're not wrapping up all of us, us into another person. Because when someone else isn't acting the way that we want them to, and it feels so much more out of control when we have ourselves wrapped up in that thing. Like, no, this can't. Yeah. Like, if even like just talking about a business, like dissolving a business, like this can't, I'm going to hold on to it and strangle it because it's me. But if if we understand that it's not me, it's it's this external thing. Me is internal. This person, this partner, this kid, this business, it's not me. So I can allow it to, 
to expand and flow as it needs to. But I think when mm-hmm. we get our, our identity wrapped up in these things, it's like we want to like strangle them and control them because it's like, if I lose this, who am I? So it allows us to yeah. kind of breathe a little bit, let go a little bit. That's so beautiful. And it is so true. And so your Kickstarter failed. Let's just keep saying it. You're like, okay, do we have to keep saying our fails? No, I can't. Um, it did. I love the fail party. I think it's brilliant. And you still, I mean, this is years later. You have this business. You host this conference. You, it, The business has grown. So how did that happen? Yeah. Um, so we continued even after the Kickstarter failed, you know, continued to do conferences. People kept showing up, which was great. And, and without that fancy without website the fancy that website. you thought you needed yeah. for 50000 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they kept showing up. And um, so soon, really, a community started to form of people who would come back year after year. And it had always been my desire as seen from this Kickstarter to have a place to connect these people outside of this annual conference. Um, You know, I know some people go uh, the route of doing multiple events. I saw kind of some colleagues move in that direction of doing like, you know, five, six, seven events a year. And for me, one big conference was enough. I didn't, I wasn't, I'm not an events person, even though I do, I guess I do events. I still am always like, do I do events? Yeah, I I guess I do. Even though it's been like seven (laughs) years of doing these. Um, It's been more than that. But um, so a community started to form. And what we kind of did was experiment with a few different ways of how to connect this. What's the best way to connect this community outside of this annual event? What's a good way to kind of be in the weeds together? Because I'm sure we all know we've gone to conferences and you kind of get this high and you're like, oh, I'm going to change the world and I have this idea and I'm going to do this and this and this. And then you go back to your home and you're back in your routine and you kind of feel isolated and you're like doubting yourself, those ideas. You just get back into the weeds of stuff. So how can we create a support system for the, like in the weeds space when you're outside of this inspirational space where everyone around you is just, rooting you on and, you know, you're listening to the most inspiring people and you're in this beautiful space. Um, Because that, obviously, there's a space and a time and a space for that. I believe that. That's what I do and create. But there also needs to be a space for those people who can be, like, cheering you on when you're like, oh, like, I have to, you know, send this invoice and I, you know, I'm still waiting for my other client to pay me and this is sucky and what do I do here? You know, this person didn't sign my contract or, you know, just all the things we deal with on a daily basis that are not sexy or glamorous to talk about. Um, So we experimented with a few different ways of doing that. And um, in 2020, actually, right before COVID, we were piloting... um, guidance groups, which I know you have been a part of and so are aware of, but they're uh, peer-to-peer mentorship spaces with a facilitator who is kind of guiding the space. And we piloted that in person in January 2020. And I was very adamant about it being only in person. I was like, this is not going to be digital. I'm 
done with digital. It needs to be in person. <laughs> and <laughs> so we had three groups uh, meet in person downtown LA, January 2020. And they meet, we, we had a three-month commitment as we still do. And so the last session was middle of March, 2020. March. And we were on yeah. Zoom. And... I'll still, I'll never forget it because we were all, including myself, I was like, how do I facilitate on Zoom? I, this is awkward. This is weird. Well, like we still have the magic here. I don't know. And we were all just kind of a mess because nobody knew what was going on. Like there was yeah. one woman in my groups who ran a production company and had to just shut down all of her work. She's like, I don't know mm -hmm. how I'm going to do this like this is my whole business and now I don't know if I'm gonna even be able to run it and she was crying yeah we were all just kind of like navigating what the hell is happening here and um so after COVID hit and everything went digital was really when we decided to take guidance groups online and it became the space that was really fulfilling what I had always wanted to be there, a space where these people can come together and support one another in the weeds of the work, the meaningful work that we're doing. So truly, like, it, it's been a lot of experimenting and testing and pivoting, and that will always be there, right? It will always, because the world is always changing and what people need are changing, and you can always improve. Um, and, and so there was a lot of that until we kind of came to this space of like, okay, this this is actually working. Got a ton of great feedback from that first group. And once COVID hit, it was like everyone needed a space like that because we were all in our houses mm -hmm. alone. And um, mm -hmm. and now we're bringing the conference back for the first time since 2019. So it really feels like this kind of coming back up for air now after – navigating the last three years, it's kind of like, all right, we've yeah. been doing really leaning into guidance groups and virtual stuff. And now what does it look like to get back into in-person um, and all of that? So, because I was really hesitant to get back in person. Like last year, really, even like, 2022, it was like, we still felt mm -hmm. like, I don't know, you know, so. You know, that's interesting. My daughter, my youngest daughter is 10 and she was starting to learn to swim. She had taken swim lessons for several years when the pandemic hit. And she was, you know, this is three years ago now. Um, and so we didn't get to swim at all for a year. And by the time we got to go back to the pool, she was really afraid to get in. So she would get in and she would wait around, but she wouldn't swim. And it wasn't until this year that she's like, well, let me put my head under. Okay, well, let me see if I can do this. Well, let me try the water slide, right? So it's... I think so many people are are afraid to go back to things they were doing before. But what I think is so very cool about your story here and Yellow Co's story here is you were craving in-person connection. You built this amazing conference. It really worked. And so you were committed to the in-person thing, right? And we wouldn't be here if you weren't doing virtual guidance groups. So what became a way to support people who came to your conference, then became kind of the bread and butter. You brought in all sorts of new people, and now you've got new people going to the conference. So it sort of reversed itself. Mm -hmm. I know. It's really interesting how that has worked it's out. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, 
Yeah, you know, sometimes you just kind of feel like you're along for the ride. Like, all right, <laughs> cool. That was not, yeah. you know, strategic not at all. It's just yeah. sometimes, yeah, it's like, all right, this is working. Let's move in this direction. The other thing that I think is really fascinating about you, and I find it really brave and, and really interesting, is you're very niched into your lane. Now, this is what I know to be a, true about you, but I think the company as well, you host conferences once a year or a conference once a year, and you host guidance groups. You're not coaches. You're mentors. You're leaders in these guidance group sessions. You share ideas. You have lots of experience, but you're not muddying any of those waters. There are two things. Right? Or am I missing something? Well, we have our membership platform as well, where we have various virtual things, um, virtual events, really that are just creating space for people, like with through co-working sessions and realign sessions, we call them, where you realign yourself with the goals. But yeah, we're, what it is is really like, we're not telling you what to do. We're creating space for people yeah. to to figure out what is best for themselves, really. I think it's cool. I mean, as a coach, I don't tell people what to do either. That's a consultant's job, but it definitely feels different as someone who coaches and as someone who works with coaches. And as you mentioned, I'm a member of one of your guidance groups and I really enjoy the the platform and the approach and the membership that comes with it um, because it does feel, it feels like community. It doesn't feel like being coached. It feels like being with peers and just sort of you know, throwing the gum at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. I think I've always felt a, I, I always feel a calling to create a space and create the container and then allow for the people to bring their magic. I, I think the power of community is really empower, doing that, empower, empowering the community. I, I see us even shifting culturally to from a space of really looking towards one, two, three people to give us the answers towards mm. listening to each other, towards understanding that, oh, that guy on the stage there might not actually know what he's talking about, you know, and I think we've seen that a lot in different... Or it doesn't apply to my life and my circumstances. Right, right. Or, you know, my background, I come from a very um, evangelical Christian background, and I just look at, you know, the church, and it's like, okay, the pastor, you know, is, you know, doing all these awful things. And it's just not surprising, you know, anymore, because we just continuously find out politically, too. It's just, I think the um, shiny person on a sage on a stage, as they say, um, Mm. is, is unraveling a little bit in a good way. And not to say there's not space for that. Obviously, I'm hosting a conference where there will be people on a stage. And I, I, I have a coach, like, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that there's, you know, no, Absolutely. like, authority or mentorship yeah. anywhere, but I do see us kind of moving towards, like, oh, this person, just because their personality is more shy and they don't speak up in meetings doesn't mean that they don't have 
the answers to what we should be doing here. Maybe let's let's yeah. encourage that person to speak up a little bit. And I just see us moving towards like this more communal, um, seeing the power that exists within each other um, and not just glorifying certain personalities or certain external appearances or even yeah. credentials and just realizing like, okay, we all have something to give and something to receive from each other. I love that. I love that. And I, I love that hive mind approach. Have you, have you read the book Quiet? I haven't. Oh, you might like it. So it's basically talking about introverts and there's, it's research-based and it talks a lot about how a successful team needs that partnership between that outgoing, shiny personality and the quiet, reserved ones and how they can play off of each other. It was a really mm, great book. Highly okay. Recommended. I'm going to write that down. Um, yeah. No, it's a fun one. Um, okay. I have to know, how did you come up with the name Yellow Co.? So... And I can't... Everyone asks. Does everyone ask yeah, you that question? Yeah, and I keep saying, I got to get this on the website because it's not. And so many people are like, why is this not on your website? <laughs> like, I know. I was like, I hate asking questions that I know everybody else asked, but I don't know and I no, want to know. No, it's okay. So. I like talking about it. Um, it's... Yeah, so in kind of dreaming up this community and what I wanted to create, this picture of a bee kept coming to my mind and I was just thinking about bees and how they work in community, how they work hard, oh, I love that. how they just from being who they are, they make flowers bloom and they make fruit grow and they make our world a more beautiful and nourished place just by being themselves. And I've recently found out that the worker bees are um, mostly all female, I believe. And they yeah. are. And so I thought it was a beautiful reflection of kind of what I wanted to embody and what I wanted to um, just encourage people with of just all you have to do is be who you are, be who you were created to be, and you will make the world a more beautiful and nourished place. So being a designer, my mind very much went visual with that, and I thought bees are yellow and... I wanted, I kind of saw just everything being yellow and I was yeah. like, okay, that, so that's why it's called, called yellow. I love that. You definitely should put it on the website because it's, it's really beautiful. Like I, I had chills. I'm like, stop. There's so much backstory. I, I was kind of expecting like, well, yellow is the color of, you know, sunshine and summer and connection and like, it just feels happy and I wanted people to feel happy. So I was not prepared. <laughs> For the very cool story. It has told. been really cool to hear so many meetings of that color, though. People have come up to me at conferences and been like, did you know that the color yellow in this language means this? And, you know, I, it's been, it's definitely, like, bigger than myself because I feel like so it, it's just had a lot of meaning outside of that. But that is where, it, yeah, it started. That's so cool. So since you started Yellow Co., you have become a parent. How has being an entrepreneur and running this business changed since you became a mom? Oh my gosh, it's changed everything. It's completely shifted my entire, yeah, way of existing. Um, my son is four, so I he just turned four in May, and so it's been about four years since 
entering into this parenthood journey. And um, I had him on my body at three months old at our 2019 conference. And I don't think... It's pretty cool to be able to do that, it was. by the way, to build a, a business where you Yeah, can it was yeah. cool. And at the same time, I look back and I, I don't think I gave myself much space or permission to slow mm. down. I don't think I was prepared yeah. for the shift that was going to come physically, emotionally, mentally. And I just was holding myself to the same standard of time and effort and energy of working that I did pre-baby. Yeah. I, I was so... Yeah, I think parenthood is one of those things that no matter how much you are around it or read about it, you're not prepared until you actually go through it, which is probably, you know, the same for most things in life. But um, yeah, I I thought that it wouldn't... I was like, you know, he's going to sleep all the time and... You know, I have help and it's, I'm going to, why, why would this slow someone down? And very slowly, I've recently become aware of the term matrescence, which is a term for the almost like puberty that comes with a woman after of like her journey into motherhood. Like it doesn't just happen when your baby's born. There's this matrescence journey physically, emotionally, mentally that you go through. And I, looking back, was definitely on that journey. And, you know, when my son was 10 months old, COVID hit. And just the whole thing of becoming a parent in 2019 and then COVID in 2020 just completely slowed me down in a really good and beautiful way. It it made me kind of shift my understanding of what it looked like to work. I just thought I had to be working all the time. And that was, again, where I found a lot of my worth is just, I felt bad if I wasn't working or if I, you know, just everything that felt like had to be optimized before kids. And I don't think I was really even like treating myself very well, eating regular meals, you know, just like jumping into work first thing in the morning. But parenthood has forced me to think about someone else's needs, which has also forced me to think about my own needs of, oh, they they need to eat breakfast today. You know, I I should probably do that too. Or (laughs) yeah, it's just been like a slowing down and nurturing, not of my, yes, of my kids, but the lesson has been in nurturing myself and what that means. What does it look like to take care of myself while I also take care of a business of my kids, of my friendships, my partnerships, like it's, it's just been such a slowing down since having kids in a very good way. And I think pre-kids, I would have heard that and been like, well, that's not going to slow me down. And, you know, I'm going to, it's not going to happen to me, but it's, it's been such a beautiful slowing down. And it's been cool that it's been cohesive with kind of the world's also slowing down in 2020 and now kind of figuring out, you know, where do we go from here? I think as we come out of that, but yeah, it's, it's really, I think I'm still processing it, but it's been very much a, a a learning lesson of how to take care of myself and how to make my life more sustainable in all ways. Hmm. 
I love that line, lessons in how to make my life sustainable in all ways. That's beautiful. Um, does this work feel brave to you? It does. Um, I think it feels brave um, in many different ways and seasons. Um, this putting Truly putting this conference on again in person, it feels, it's, it's been very scary. <laughs> it's been like, kind of like your daughter. I feel like getting back into the pool and putting your head underwater again, like what a metaphor for what so many of us are feeling right now. I feel like that. Yeah. I feel like I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. like I did this before, but I don't know. It feels different and it feels, can I still swim? Because you're different. Yeah, I'm so different. The world is so different. What we yeah. need is different. And it yeah. feels it feels really vulnerable to put something on that, you know, people are going to attend and some people will hopefully will love. And I know some people won't. And uh, yeah, even just saying that makes me feel hot and sweaty, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I think the work of bringing people together is brave to me because it feels, um, you just can't control what someone is going to think and what someone's experience is going to be. I can do my best, but at the end of the day, that I heard someone say the other day that I just keep telling myself what someone thinks of me is none of my business. And that's yes. hard. I say that all the I time. Love that. What other people think of you is none of your business. Yeah. So yeah. good. And I feel like to embody that is very brave it's, or to be able to step into that is brave. feels I have to be brave to do that because I care a lot about what people think of me as much as I don't want to say that I do. (laughs) I think we're all like that. I love that. I think it's really brave too. And and you're right. I hadn't realized when I told the story about my daughter and swimming just what a great metaphor it really is because there are so many things like, oh, do I want to – I mean, people who go through divorce, do I want to wade back into that dating pool or – who've had pregnancy loss. Do I want to try that again? Like it could go anywhere. And what, you know, I feel like you're, you're bringing to this conversation is this idea that there isn't one way to be brave and move through that. There are lots of ways and you have to find, like you said, those lessons in making your life sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a, I know people don't like the word balance and we, sometimes we talk about harmony uh, sustainable is a really nice way to say that. Like, how do you make it work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is that? You know, it's not necessarily balanced. It's not the scales of justice and it's not always harmonious, but is it sustainable? Mm-hmm. And do I want it to stay like mm-hmm. this? Yeah. That's so cool. Um, I love that. How do you sell? I mean, you have, the question is, how do you celebrate success? And I feel like there's a lot to celebrate uh, your willingness to embrace these lessons and your pivot during COVID, which, you know, shifted sort of the way you connect with your clients and your customers and how you support this community. There's so much to celebrate. How do you like to celebrate? I think I could do a better job celebrating. When I first hear you say that, I'm like, okay, you know, there are things to celebrate. I mean, one of the things, it's why we start guidance groups off with celebrations. I think probably because I struggle with, you know, remembering to celebrate the good things. Um, But it's such an important practice. And, um, you know, I'm a big journaler. 
Um, it's really where I process a lot for myself. And I think I use that space often to just remind me of things that I have done and accomplished and also to remind myself, again, going back to that grounding of, yes, we are celebrating these things and yes, they do not define you. Celebrating who you are as a person and your character and how you've shown up to things and, you know, celebrating those moments as well as like the external stuff. Because I don't know, often, as I said, the external stuff so often for me maybe this is something I need to work on. I don't know, but it often feels so out of my control. Like it just feels like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so focusing, I have the um, serenity prayer on my necklace here. And just what it reminds me of is focusing on the things that you can control and letting go of the things that you can't and the wisdom to know the difference between those two things. And I'm going off on a tangent. All that to say, I I also, in addition to accomplishments, I try to celebrate the things that I feel like I can control of, like how I'm showing up, how I'm treating other people. Yeah. Um, because, you know, if, if a conference tells a bunch of tickets or not, often I feel like I'm showing up, I'm doing the same things, and sometimes it's working, sometimes it's not, and, you know, it's a mystery to try to yeah. figure it out. Um, but how can I celebrate how I'm showing up and who I am and... Um, those things that I do have a little bit more control over. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell, well, myself and, and my clients and anybody who will listen, which definitely does not include my kids because they don't want any advice from me, um, is, <laughs> is that the only thing we can control is ourselves and the only thing we can change is ourselves. But when we change ourselves, the people around us change because mm-hmm. that is the nature of connection. Mm-hmm. I love that. Right? Good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true and beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You are such a light. You are so fun. Can you tell folks um, how they can find you and follow you or if they're curious about guidance groups or the membership, they want to come to the conference? I'm going to be there, y'all. So come hang out with me. How can folks find you and, and all that good stuff? Yeah, well, you can find me on um, Instagram at Joanna Waterfall. It's just my name. And Threads now, um, which I'm like so I loving. Love I'm like, I'm not even <laughs> on like Instagram. I mean, yeah, but yeah. come hang out with me on Threads. Um, same, obviously, I guess they're all the same as our Instagram handle, Joanna Waterfall. They are because it's yeah. attached. Yeah. So come find yeah. me on Threads. And you'll find some fun, uh, fun posts on there. And yellow is our website is yellowco.co, and the conference website is yellow2023.com. And we're also on Instagram at yellowco.co and threads at yellowco.co too. And threads yeah. everywhere. <laughs> I love it. Um, I am having a blast on threads. I also have rarely been on Instagram or TikTok. And TikTok now just feels like it's it's just people playing with AI filters. Like I used to get so much content. I'm like, oh, all my people are over on threads. I know. I love seeing your posts on threads. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we're all hanging okay. out there and we're like, this is fun. This is a fun space. So it just feels like it's 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 a little unhinged. Yeah. Like we just get to say whatever. That's how early Twitter felt to yep. me too. So. I feel like it's reminding us I'm all of the it. early social media days that we did really love. And then it became a million Ugh. more things that, you know, 
There's yeah. good and there's hard yeah. about it. You have you have the best last name. Thank you. I do love my last name. I thank my husband for it. I'm like all about women keeping their last names, but I was like, give me that last name. I'm taking that one. <laughs> <laughs> so good. What was your maiden name? Picket. Like picket fence. Oh yeah. No offense. I'm sorry, but that's oh, a yeah, good Oh, yeah, I was so excited. <laughs> I, yeah, I was very much, like, stoked to have the last name Waterfall. <laughs> that's great. No, it's beautiful. It feels like a nice little manifested metaphor for all of the joy that you bring into the world and the lives that you touch. Mm-hmm. Um, Joanna, will you share your favorite charitable organization to support? Yes. This is a hard one to choose, but I think I'll go ahead and say Together Rising, which um, was founded by Glennon Doyle, and I feel like it's in good spirit for the conference because their executive director is speaking at the conference this year, um, Sonia Anderson. And they do amazing work, um, and what I really love about them is that they really empower everyday people, specifically women, to um, take kind of this anger and these passions and these feelings that we have about the injustices that are happening in the world in various places. And, and they, they use the people to raise money and they really support grassroots organizations who are on the ground doing good work. And I just really trust them. Um, so I'm going to say together rising. I love that. It's a great organization. And those who listen every week know, what do I say? We need to come together as a global community to support and connect and to grow. So whatever you have to give, if it's time, money, social media likes, shares, tell other people about it, whatever it is, let's do this together because, well, together rising, we do rise up together. Mm -hmm. So that's beautiful. I love it. Joanna, will you share your three words with us one last time? Yes. Community, lessons, creativity. Yeah. They're beautiful, beautiful words from such a beautiful soul. I'm I'm really glad that you're part of my life, Joanna. Thank you for taking time to be here. Thank with you us so today. much for inviting me on. It's an honor to chat with you, and I love the space that you're creating. And thanks for having me a part of it. I am still thinking about how Joanna took her love of bees and created an entire company around this hive-minded community concept. She brought the branding together, and it's exactly what she does. Oh my gosh, what a fun conversation. I hope that you loved it as much as I did. And if you did, please share your thoughts and your feedback. You can let me know what you're thinking by visiting The Brave Files on Instagram. You can also visit Vickery & Co. on Instagram. But for this episode. Let me know what you think on The Brave Files. If you like the show, subscribe, rate, review. It means the world. It helps people find us. It's all good stuff. Don't forget to register for our free first Friday manifestation power hour at vickeryandco.com slash manifest together. The next session is August 4th at 1.30 p.m. Central, and I cannot wait to see you there. Folks, I enjoy sharing this space with you so much. Thank you for spending some of your precious time here with me and my guests on the Brave Files podcast. So until we get a chance to connect again, my name is Heather Vickery, and I am here to remind you to always go out and choose bravely. Bye now. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories of people living courageously. Visit us at thebravefilespodcast.com to learn more about the show, find our show notes, and access full episode transcripts. And we'd love to know what you think of the show. We invite you to connect with us via Instagram and send a DM. You'll find us at The Brave Files Podcast on Instagram. 
Our music was created and produced in a custom collaboration with Matt Lewis from ML Creative Consulting, a boutique firm dedicated to helping clients identify their unique sound and amplify their brand with custom-delivered soundtracks. Special thanks to everyone on Team Brave, from our audio engineer to our producers, associate producers, copy editors, writers, and support team. The show wouldn't exist without them, and we are eternally grateful. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in.